Athlete's secret weapon. Unlock the power in your mind. This is the pledge to hear from sporting champions. Sit back, listen, and release the champion in you. And welcome back, Stuart Walter here, the Athlete's Secret Weapon from the Elite Mindset Institute. Got a fun one today. Got a fun one. I've got Dodo Eliazar. Yes, he's a basketballer, originally from Turkey, living here in Australia at the moment. Committed his life to basketball and good enough to play at the elite level, the top level. Unfortunately, we've got the little thing called governments. Government has slowed down visa because he's not a permanent resident here in Australia. He's certainly limiting his playing abilities, and because of that, had to then look at alternate ways to create and generate and chase that dream. So at the moment, he's uh, in his own business, which is coaching, coaching kids, but he's also got his own podcast, which we'll talk about shortly. Uh, Dato is The Baller Movement, and his podcast is Ballers Rewired. We'll make sure we'll get all the links in the uh, notes next to this, and you'll be good to go. So let's just uh, basically, number one, shut me up, and we're going to turn on Dodo. So, mate, welcome on board. Thank you for having me today. That's all good. Mate, this is this is interesting because um, I'll include you in this because there's so many incredible stories at the elite level with athletes, even the junior levels. There's so many stories that people overcome challenges in life there's always these battles physical emotional financial and we connected on instagram and it was funny because there's so many aspects of sport that can be limited but you just don't expect governments visas permanent residency to limit opportunities so mate um yeah one welcome on board and two give us a bit of a rundown on where you're at at the moment Mm, yeah well like you said it's definitely not something you expect it's definitely not something I expected as an 11-year-old. When I was playing in Australia, playing uh, rep basketball since I was 12 in Australia, actually. So, I mean, I grew up playing just fine, played juniors, um, 12 to, through to 16, 17. And then when I was 15, I was, I was actually um, above my uh, age level. So they moved me up to play men's, stuff like that for the big B. Yeah. Uh, a couple of times I made blue carpet there, which is like the um, couple of best performances in their state for the week and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was all going great. You know, um, I made the state team. And it's a funny story about that one. I got cut two years in a row, and I guess that, in a way, fueled my fire to keep coming back. Yeah. Um, so, first year, I got cut in the first round. Second year, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to go work hard. The competition's pretty tough. That's when I kind of understood how tough the comp is for basketball and yeah i worked i worked my ass off that year and then yeah i came back i was feeling pretty confident yeah got through the first round second round and got in the final final round got cut in the final round and then uh yeah that one i guess in a sense really pissed me off i was really like emotional after it as you can imagine yeah but yeah i bounced back from it i worked even harder and the last year when i came through I just knew straight away that, you know, I was going to make it anyway. So in the warm-ups, I was feeling pretty confident, even just, you know, getting up, throwing some dunks down, just, it was pretty good. 
And yeah, no, no surprise, I made the team that year. We went to Canberra to play international stuff like that, which was great. But yeah, as you can as you can kind of hear from that, uh, I had I had a pretty good experience playing junior C. I won multiple MVP awards, finals MVPs, many championships. I played at the state champ level. Um, so I was doing pretty well for a average Aussie kid. The problem was. <laughs> Yeah, I, I turned out that I wasn't an average Aussie kid, which I found out when I was about 17, 18, uh, when Big B called me after the season at, when I played state champ. And they must have looked at my performance and my numbers and they must have said, Who, who's this kid? And they must have searched my name up yeah. and they must have seen that I'm a, I'm a Turkish citizen and not a permanent resident here. So they called me. They were like, oh, look, you can only play as an import. You know, you weren't even supposed to be playing youth league, so I don't know how that happened, which is all very odd to me because, it's, well, I, I grew up when I was 11, 12, when I was a chubby kid here. Yeah. You know, I was I was in the, in the force teams all the time. I was always an underdog. And then I worked really hard, got to 16, 17, when I'm actually one of the best players. And then this hurdle kind of got put in front of me. So... It's just, it's not something that I can control. It's definitely out of my control because if I could, I would do anything to do something about it. But when it comes to government, I really, really don't have any say. Even though, you know, I got many letters written to the government from people that are pretty, pretty powerful and stuff like that. But it's all got like rejected or no responses. So I'm still doing anything that I can for it, but it's just not not doing much that's that's incredible there's like i said earlier i mean there's so many um limitations already on athletes there's the physical the emotional nutritional uh you just don't expect the government to be the one that's stopping someone who's at peak performance incredible skills and abilities who's been in the system that long who then puts a big brick wall up there how have you maintained that drive and that persistence or are you that's kind of what you're showing on the outside well just quickly about the government i guess it's the government in a sense that's putting their roadblock in my way but also the fact that you know i've when they contacted me through basketball australia um they were like to me yeah you, you can't play um because you're an import i explained the situation to them just like i'm doing right here yeah and i said to them you know i've been here since 11 like can you not make a special exception for me because i'm not just an import that they brought over from i don't know overseas from turkey or from america that's coming here to play and to look like i'm not even looking to get paid to play i would just love an opportunity to play so I guess in a in a way that they didn't even make that special uh, exception yeah. to my kind of kind of um, not very common situation. So I guess there was no understanding from them, which is a shame as well, because they claim to you know uh, as basketball Australia we care about our athletes and stuff like that. You know, but it's yeah. all a shame. But you know, there's nothing I can do about that. But when we're getting back to kind of how I'm staying, you know, driven and stuff like that, I know that I'm a good enough player. And everybody's told me this, and I've heard from many people, my close people that are to me heard it from other people when I was playing. So I just know that I can, and I just know that I'm meant to be yeah. a pro athlete one day, I guess. So, and the tremendous amounts of work so I put in over the years. Uh, obviously, just because of a government hurdle, which I can't do much about, I don't want it to kind of be in the way of me and my dream. So yeah. I just I just keep pushing to the best of my ability. You know, just 
doing my training, staying motivated. I guess motivation has never really been a tough thing for me because I was always like a driven person yeah. to, I guess, whatever I'm doing. So I would get up at, you know, 4.35 as a 15-year-old and then go to training, go to school, come back from school, go to training, then rest, and then do some more training at, like, nighttime around 9, you know what I mean? So I guess in a sense that I was already trained like a pro athlete at a very, very young age. Yeah. And I guess the one thing that was not like a pro athlete was I was actually overloading myself. I was working harder than I should have been, which was kind of having an effect on my performance but regardless I had that discipline because of that so I was obviously a great competitor when I was on the court which makes a big difference but yeah I'm just you know trying my best yep. staying driven even though there's no goal in the near future or like a kind of like the thing that I can do in the near future is very uncertain because the government's saying maybe two maybe three maybe five years till I get my permanent residency. So overseas options are definitely on the table for me, I guess, just leaving Australia. But I also don't want to be forced away from the place that I live, I guess, in a way that I grew up, all my mates and, you know, family here, a partner, which I'm sure she'll come with me. But I'll do anything for basketball, and this is definitely something I'm probably going to do anyway. But it's just a shame. But yeah, I'm staying. I'm staying driven. You know, just working out. I guess that motivation sometimes wears off because yeah. there's no end goal there. Like, there's, it's so uncertain, especially with life kind of hitting now. Because if I was a pro athlete now, I'd be getting paid, and the only thing I'd be, you know, focused on would be just getting better as a basketball player. And that's yeah. why pro athletes get paid. Um, but because I'm not getting paid, it's kind of like, okay, well, I have a life. I have a partner. I have a life to build here. So it's yeah. kind of like life is kind of starting to overbear. That's why I got my own business. Well, I'm trying to give back to kids as much as I can, give my knowledge because I guess one of the things that I can do and I am able to do. And yeah, it just that takes up a lot of my time, hours and hours of you know, training people, which I love doing. Yeah, I have no yeah. problem. But in a way that it's life, um, hmm. yeah, life forcing that out of me. So it's kind of like I have to commit my energy to that and then, it's kind of like basketball is becoming second priority for me to train, which I don't want it to, but life is kind of forcing it to. Yeah. It's interesting you say the motivation waves because one of the one of the basic fundamentals of the human mind, the fact that motivation is only possible when you have direction. The thing is you know what your direction is, but there's so many, well, there's this big barrier in front of you, and even if you could go overseas, you've, we've got the COVID thing at the moment as well. So the opportunity is do you want to do that? Do you... So there's a lot of, you can see why when your end result is so clear and so defined, when these little barriers come up, you can see how that block blocks the actual motivation as well. So how have you worked around the resilience? How have you managed to just go, right, I'm just going to keep doing whatever I can and, and if an opportunity opens up and keep doing as much as you can to create, to create opportunities, how do you keep that resilience going when you're working and training potentially what ten hours a day sometimes. I think I think it's purely just my passion for the sport, my yeah. my love for the game of basketball, and I guess not wasting the tremendous amounts of work I've put in over the years. It would just feel wrong, and you know, I guess in a way that yeah, there's no end goal, but I know that one day, one day something's going to tra- change. Something's going to happen, and. 
I guess I'm keeping myself ready for the for the moment that opportunity comes at my door because when it comes knocking at my door, I want to be ready. I want to be able to take it. I don't want to be losing my athleticism. I don't want to be losing my skills. I don't want to be some I don't know uh, kind of overweight bloke on the on the couch. You know, just just not doing much for myself. So when the opportunity comes knocking on the door, I got to be able to ready to take it because that's my dream. Yeah. So I guess it's no complicated answer to that. It's just mm. the love for the for the game. Yeah, it's it's great you say that because there'll be so many people listening to this that um, need to understand that you've you've got to be in that headspace where you've got to be ready. There's going to be times where you're put on the bench, you're kept on the bench, you're not selected for a team. Uh, how do you not take that personally, and and what do you do from it? And like you say. Just keep working on yourself. Keep getting ready. Get ready for these things because you might be the best player that's able to step on off the bench and onto the court. But yeah. at what level? Because sometimes, I mean, let's just call it as it is, sometimes coaches, well, all the time, coaches want the best for themselves, which could be the best for the team. But there's a lot of other people that I've come across and different associations and different sports that I know what some coaches have done, which is, oh, we don't want to put that player on there because there's a selector here. That selector will probably take them and put them into a national team where we want them here in our state team. So as much as coaches will deny that, there's so much evidence and so much proof of athletes I've spoken to and worked with that do that. So you're going to come, come across these barriers that you can't control that others are controlling your life there's a lot of stuff that happens in um, associations in sporting associations i won't mention any because we had to track it all down but when you when you hear the individual athletes and their stories you go hang on how can you be the best player scoring the most or achieving the best on field yet there's no selection there's no criteria and you look at these teams and go why why is it like this? So there's something either internal or something that's going on within the system. And like most athletes will, they'll take it personally. And then all of a sudden, the best person potentially in the country is out of the sport because they just can't handle that, I guess, the the emotional ups and downs of being controlled and having your dream pulled away or put on hold. It's It's something that everyone has to understand from coaches out there if you're going to bench someone, explain. Uh, parents out there understand that these things happen. Athletes understand that if you're not in the right sponsored uh, equipment or uniform or right brand, if it's sponsored by someone else, don't be surprised if someone else who is perce- perceptionally better loses because there's a different sponsor who's operating that event. It happens. I've heard it, I've seen it, and I've had to deal with the emotional fallout from a lot of these athletes. So that's definitely that's definitely frustrating. I mean, it's, it's something that happens at any level, I guess. There's there's always the politics, there's basketball, you know. Um, there's a coach's favorite, there's a parent that, you know, kind of sponsors the local club, so the kid gets lost of time. But you know, I would love to be able to be in that situation. I guess that's frustrating, but it's not as hard as not being able to have full control. Because if you are the best player by far and it's undeniable, if they don't play you, someone else is gonna want you. Yeah. So I guess, I guess in a way that they have the chance to still show that yeah. and you know, they, they, they should have more motivation in a way to kind of keep persisting. 
Yeah. But like, yeah, for me, for me, it's just like I would love to kind of just get that chance to play because I don't want to just play the local comp that I can play here when I'm I'm an NBL level athlete. Yeah. Because because that's what I'm forced. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, I guess I kind of had that growing up. What you were saying about the teams and that and that kind of not pro level athlete. But from a junior's kind of perspective, there was always the favourites. There was always the politics in the basketball world where they would get, they would select the kids that have been kind of with them, whether that's your, in, in Melbourne, that's your, the Andenongs, or kind of like for the state teams, they would, they would pick the kids that are, that have been through those organisations because I guess. Oh, we seem to have lost. I'm just going to stop. Okay, and we're back. Sorry about that. Technical issues and everything. Phones just decided it was going to drop out. So, again, this is everything we do on this podcast. It's all about mindset. It's understanding that things happen. It's how you recover. That's what makes these champions. So I'm getting back to Dodo now, and we'll go and continue in with what he was talking about. I've just explained briefly politics of sport from my experience and seeing through the athlete's eyes and understanding what needs to be done. And Dodo was just covering his aspects of, I guess, the the his experience in Australia within basketball and the politics within the association. So, mate, I'll hand it back over to you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like, like I was saying, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that affects everybody, pro athletes, junior athletes, and it's always going to be a part of sport. And there's nothing we can do to control that except for the fact that we can keep training to be the best we can be because – the minute that you are the best and it's seen by people, it's noticed, then it's just going to seem wrong if the coach is not playing. So I guess one way to overcome that, what I've done is, you know, I've, I've always kind of been the underdog when I was growing up. I was young. And, and you know, through 12 to about 15 or 14, like I was I was always the worst kid. I was never looked at. And then I was kind of thinking, I could shoot the very pointer, but it's like, yeah, I mean, I can see why they choose these kids. And then as I grew a little older, then I was like, I have no idea why they're choosing these kids over me. Um, and I was kind of like, oh, it's the politics of basketball. Everybody kind of knew it. But the minute that you kind of let that take over and be your excuse, then you lose. Then you kind of lose all motivation. What I didn't do was that. And what I did was, okay, they didn't pick me. I'm going to go away and I'm going to be even better. I'm going to, I'm going to show the gap between me and that guy there that they're picking, and when I can show it to them, they're gonna have to pick me. Otherwise, it's gonna it's gonna receive lots and lots and lots of negative negativity and criticism from other people. And that's exactly what happened. They couldn't deny how much better I was. And I'm not trying to talk myself up. It's just something that I, that happened to me. So one way to overcome that barrier, I guess, for a pro athlete or a junior athlete, is just keep working and keep showing that you're better than the other. Yeah, and that's that's obviously everything in life as well. And and look, you're very welcome to talk yourself up. And this is the interesting thing with a lot of athletes as well. A lot of people in sport or even in business and life, they're, they're too busy trying to hold themselves back. I mean, if you're good, just get it out there and say, hey, look, I'm good. And unfortunately, look, you're going to be judged. People are going to be judged by what they say. You're going to be judged on how good you are. You're going to be judged on how good you could be. So, look, let's face it, every athlete out there, you're going to be judged. You may as well be judged on the person that you choose to be. So just as Dodo's done, he's just gone, well, that's who I want to be. I'm just going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing until it gets to the point where they can't deny you because you're obviously the better one out there. 
So if you yeah. are good, chuck it out there because, yeah, you just don't yeah, know who's out there. I think, it's, I think it's kind of something I live in my head because when, I'm, when I step on the court, it doesn't matter who I'm playing against, I'm the greatest. So yep. I guess that, that mindset isn't very humble, but it doesn't have to be as an athlete because you put the hard hours, even though you might not be, even though LeBron James or someone like that might be better than you, but that's that's the mindset you got to have, and that's the mindset that I try to teach. You're not trying to be an asshole or like kind of kind of be rude or just kind of just see yourself better than everyone else. But I guess the minute you step on the court, that confidence is what makes a difference as a shooter. Uh, you need to have confidence. If you're not a confident shooter, no matter how much you practice, then you're gonna you're gonna miss your shots, or you're not gonna be the best you can be. And that goes to any other aspect of basketball specifically. And I guess that confidence is built from the reps. So if you're getting lots of shots up, a thousand shots a day up in game situations, then you're going to be confident. Yeah. The two kind of, the two kind of go hand in hand. And because I put in so much work, well, yeah, I am overly confident when I play, and that reflects my game. Yeah, exactly. And it's it is very much like that, isn't it? It's it's repetition. It's numbers. It's it's. And, and what I find a lot of athletes, they do a lot of repetitions to build up the muscle memory. But there's also, as we're talking on your podcast the other day, there's certain ways you can actually build up the mental aspect of it as well and create your own muscle memory while you're doing that, while you're sleeping. Because if yeah. one, one hour of visualisation is seven hours of physical exertion, just think about your seven-hour day training and on court. You can actually develop a lot of that one hour a day just by visualising. And you're visualising at a better quality, a better end result. So there's so many ways that you can actually assist. Yeah, working hard is it. You, you've got to get that muscle memory, but your muscle memory is only as good as you have been, okay? It's not as good as the person you're working into. So there is certain ways that we can do it. I mean, when you look at like LeBron, LeBron James, it's it's quite simple. He was, he was still LeBron before he was LeBron, but who was he focused on? Was he focused on becoming someone like Michael Jordan? Did he look towards Michael Jordan to then leverage himself up? Did he look towards someone else? What was he doing um, at the age of, let's go back to what was LeBron James doing at the age of 15? What was he doing at 16? So if you're going to judge yourself, don't judge yourself at what he's doing now, but judge yourself as what was he doing at the age you are now? And you'll find that's going to be a massive uh, reality check because I know there's some 13-year-olds now that are beating Dawn Fraser's 100-metre freestyle time there's 12 year olds swimming it they're not even the best in the state so you've got to look at this and going look now we've just got to start building up and building up look at who the world champions are now look at what they were doing at the age of 12 13 14 17 and then measure yourself off that don't measure yourself off the, that long term but obviously aim for it and work on becoming that person just incremental and you'll be fine good stuff so is that pretty much what you're teaching a lot of your juniors coming through yeah, I'm, I'm teaching lots of things to my juniors, but that's definitely one. That's definitely one. And I think I teach lots of, yeah, I, I work on the skill development and you know, developing the game and the way we understand the game. It's not just about being able to do the moves or kind of shoot. It's about knowing where to do it, how to do it, um, the reads, because basketball is a very reactive sport. So when you kind of teach all of that, you're kind of teaching the mind mind aspect of it as well so then i guess i'm i'm building that mindset the mindset of a champion within them that i think i strongly have um i try not to overexert myself when they're younger um but i kind of give bits and pieces to kind of modifying it for that age and the skill level 
Yeah, perfect, perfect. So with with each, I guess, junior, what is what is the main thing that you kind of focus on? Obviously, training skills. Do you get them to kind of work towards right? What is it you want to achieve? How do you want to be there? What do you want to? Uh, when do you want to be there? Because uh, obviously, with the way I work with people, one of the first things I do is always go, right, let's look at the end result. Who do you want to be? And then we can, in our own minds, bodies, we can reverse engineer to go, right, okay, well, here you are now in eight years' time, you want to go to your first Olympics. Great. Okay, what we need to do today, tomorrow, next week, next month, the end of this year to get you to that point? Or do you just keep going and going and going until that certain level of potential comes out? Then you set the end result. How do you work there? Yeah, so how I do it is it's definitely very precise regardless of the age. I've got people, genius from seven, five years old to uh, athletes that are older, like 17, 18, even, even older. So I guess the way I go about it is when they're younger, I don't really, I have a chat with them about their goals. Some of them don't even know their goals, which is very, very normal. It's yeah. kind of about their development and introducing the game and developing that passion for them at that age. So it's, it's more so developing that passion and teaching the game to them. But as they get older, and even when they're young, I talk to them and I figure out what they want or what they need to work on and how they need to work on. And I'm very precise with the goals that I set to them. But in my head, I kind of introduce them in the training myself. Um, and they get the same benefit out of that. But as they get older, I, I am very precise. My first session, if someone is the first session with me, is always... So what are you? What are you? What are your goals? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? In your opinion, and then the first session is always an assessment where yep. I would look at their strengths and weaknesses, see what we have to work on, and then build from that. But I, I set very precise targets. I explain everything I'm doing to them. I explain how it's going to get them better, and it's just a it's just a step building from there. And it's everything's everything's very specific, like I said. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. So let me just, I just want to come back into, obviously that's your main business at the moment to generate some income. So when the opportunities are there, uh, you're already physically, emotionally uh, in that right space just to hop on the on court and smash them. So yeah, I, think, I think one thing I'll say about that is, yeah, it's generating income. But to me, like it's not so much about the money, even though everybody's going to make a living. It's just that, I have so much knowledge and experience that I am not currently using. So I'm trying my best to kind of give back to people yeah. in a way, in a way that, you know, that they can get better. They can learn from I've growing up. I've trained with that, like hundreds of coaches, even like tens of hundreds. And um, these coaches weren't just coaches. They were, they were very, very high level players that know the game that have been there. Like for example, Sadell Threat. He's been my mentor since I was very young. This guy was playing the NBA for 15 years. He played against Michael Jordan. There's a clip of him on YouTube stealing the ball from Michael Jordan, going down the other end and dunking it. So, like, I've been I've been around very, very good coaches, and that's how I developed my knowledge for the game, and I was very um, lucky to be around those coaches. So from what I've learned from them, what I've learned from my own experiences, now it's just about giving back to me. And that's what some athletes do. They're yeah. pro athletes too. Even though I'm not a pro athlete because of the restrictions on me, I, I may have very well been a pro athlete giving back. But even though I'm not a pro athlete in a way because of the restrictions given back, that I'm at that level, I'm 
still I'm still willing to give back to give back to the kids, give back to people willing to learn basketball because I do have that knowledge. I am in a way a pro athlete. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Oh, that's that's awesome. And yeah, you're right. It's it's not about the money. It's about helping people and generating and making. I guess, a better players and imparting that knowledge. Like you say, you've got those mentors, you've got people doing that, and that's what I do as well, mentor a lot of people coming through because there's so much knowledge out there that we've experienced over the years that, hey, look, get it out there and share it, okay? So just a quick one. Obviously, that's just leading into the next part, the the baller movement and your podcast. Just give me a bit of a rundown on podcast, Ballers Rewired. And, yeah, give me a bit of a rundown on what you're doing there, what the intention is. Okay, so, I mean, the whole baller movement is just to educate, educate athletes, whether they're young, whether they're old. It's just about giving that knowledge to, to those that don't really know or have it. And I guess with the, even just the Instagram page, YouTube, stuff like that, it's all about educating and showing. So I haven't really got onto posting because I spent hours and hours training people in person, so I haven't really got onto that social media aspect. But the goal there is just teaching, educating, and I guess the Ballers Rewired idea branched off from what I'm trying to do with the Baller Movement, and it was more so, yes, I'm in Melbourne, I did train people in Melbourne. You're on. And... And yeah, so the idea with the Bowler Movement is to kind of branch out and um, I guess educate people that need it everywhere in the world as opposed to just the ones that I can train in Melbourne or even Australia. So what I'm trying to do with the Bowlers Rewired is not just basketball. Basketball has lots of lots of um, things that go into it that you have to account for, whether that's nutrition, whether that's the mindset, whether that's you know the physical athletic development anything uh, whether it's a recovery so the ball is rewired the point of ball is rewired is to build a pro athlete in a way with the knowledge that i give it's it's only for those athletes or kids older athletes it's for those that are looking to actually improve their game and be serious it's not for someone to just watch for i guess fun even though there will be some episodes that are fun it's more so yeah i'm here i'm here to learn about this i ask the questions as in I'm an athlete that's standing there watching and want to know these things. So yeah. that's a great opportunity for them to learn from these experts that I'm getting on board. And obviously the more, um, I guess, noise it brings, the better experts, the more knowledge that we can bring on it. But the thing is, like, yeah, I'm getting people on, the experts on there, whether that's the Geelong Cats dietitian, uh, Dr. Don Kondo, or whether that's yourselves working on the mind, that's been working world champions. I go for those people that are, higher in their expertise that are, that have that knowledge and it's it's proven so sometimes it's hard to get people on but you know i try my best and i'm doing it all to educate people educate followers and bring the best out of them even though there might not be something in it for me i, I that's not what i care about i just care about building athletes that are going to be good and have a long-lasting career because that's what we need when when you make it to the pro level I guess you're bulletproof, whether that's your nutrition, mindset, uh, physical side of things. But when you're younger or when you're not a pro, whether you're in my situation or whether you're someone else that, that's made, trying to make pro but not quite there yet, we don't have access to all this information that pros do. So I guess I'm trying to bridge the gap 
with the balls rewired. Oh, that's that's brilliant because it it's interesting. I'm still astounded how many elite athletes that I work with don't have any level of mindset training, mindset coaching. Even coaches out there, they do a lot of work as far as what they say is visualizing and helping. To be honest, I mean, we explained it the other day. If you don't know how to help people visualize, you can actually be creating more damage by the words you use through the intention, the way it's actually done. So anyone listening out here, um, the podcast isn't up yet. When it's up, we'll certainly have links across. But I certainly suggest any athlete, not just ballers, any athlete, go and listen because you just simply replace baller with swimmer, with driver, with golfer, with anyone because it's the information, it's the content. You take what you need from it. It's like food. You take whatever you can, suck the nutrition out of it, take all the good stuff, let everything else just go down. Um, so for me, it's it's critical. And I, and this is this is why I connected with you. And this is when we had that initial call. I went, yeah, 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 I've got to get you on my podcast and vice versa because there's so many people out there that need some assistance, need information. And, again, by the time you get to that elite level, uh, it's probably too late. You've got to start training and working up towards it. So where you think these guys have got it all good um, and got their lives all together, guess what? They had to start somewhere, and this is where you start, listening to podcasts, my podcast, Rododo's podcast, and even the interviews I've done with other athletes have all got very, very similar stories. So, mate, just to... Knowledge. Knowledge, yeah. is, knowledge is knowledge is everything. Knowledge, you can't replace knowledge with anything. And that's the point of listening to podcasts, but it doesn't necessarily have to be listening to podcasts. I don't care if you listen to my podcast. Just go find your knowledge. Yeah. It's, it's whether you read a book, whether you talk to some coaches, step out of that comfort zone and go get that knowledge in a way that you can. Because once you have the knowledge, it's easy to get better. It's easy to implement it. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing, apply the knowledge. It's amazing exactly. how many people don't. You've got all these knowledge, all the skill sets. You've got videos, audios, YouTube, podcasts, books, seminars, workshops. Everything is all available for free on the interwebs. So, yeah. mate, it's, it's applying this information. Two things you need to be careful of is, one, what information you choose to listen to because mm. there's lots of, lots of crap on social media. And two, like you said, implement that good information on yeah. And going back to what you said about implement, it's very funny because I I come across this a lot when I train kids and stuff like that. Uh, I teach them, I teach them the things that they need to know. But when I teach it, I know that I know that when they step in the, on the court and when they get in the game, I know that that's all going to go out the window and <laughs> the nerves and what they're doing. So what I try to do with my trainers, I make them as game specific as I can. So that when game time comes, that they're going to be ready to do whatever they need to. Because most of the time what happens is that they train and train and train, one pointlessly and one not game-like, and then all of a sudden they step on the on the court and they can't, they don't know what to do. They just dribble their right hand, they don't use anything, any knowledge, yeah. what they learn. Even, the, even though it's you know the best information they can get, they can't implement it. Yeah. So I guess when it comes to training, it's going to be very game specific. That's the approach I take. But not only that, it's the explanation. It's telling them when you step on the court, don't worry about those. Let everything go and play as if you were trained. And yeah. that's, that's, I can talk about it all day, but that's kind of the <laughs> <basic>. <laughs> me, me too. And that's, that's the interesting thing is um, 
what happens in times of pressure and stress in our brain, our brain goes back to learnt behaviours. If we've always yeah. trained relaxed and been relaxed, when we hop on court, if you start getting nervous, guess what? It then comes back to how you've always trained. So you're always going to go back. If you've, if you've always held back in training or, had, like you say, if it hasn't been game-specific, all you're doing is basically you're on court and just going through the normal routines. A lot of it doesn't exactly. transfer. So it's, exactly. it's what you do in training. Uh, put yourself under pressure in training. Push yourself in mind and body in training because then when you get to competition and performance, no matter what pressure is put on you, nothing is going to be uh, the same as what you've done in training. I've come from a martial arts background. Every training session, I mean, if I'm doing five nights a week, I'd be throwing up probably three times. Probably not very good, but what it actually did was when I then got into competition mode, I just gone, hang on, I pushed myself three, four, five nights every week. It's a, for an hour and a half, and now I've only got three three-minute rounds. Hey, I've got this. This is easy. Whereas everyone else is starting to feel pressure. Guess what? My pressure was in training. So then when it came to tournaments and competition, it was like, right, now this is where you're going to see what all the hard work has been. This is what you're going to see. That's so mindset. Yeah, it is. And it's mindset. mindset. And it's understanding that where a lot of athletes go, oh, I've got to conserve. I've got to conserve energy. I've got to do this because of. They get to the competition. They look around. They freak out because they think everyone else is so much better than them. And then they apply pressure, bang, collapse under the pressure. Yep, and it's the person. It's the person that's putting their unseen hours that's always going to succeed. There, they might not do it on the day. They might have a bad day, but no matter what, they're that they're going to come, and that hard work is going to pay off. But that hard work isn't just hard work. If you go out and train like a headless trip, not knowing what you're doing, no matter how hard you work, you're not going to be successful. And I, I've seen this so many people when I was growing up. Whether that was my level, I, I'm happy to say there were guys you know that were as hard work as me. But the thing they, the reason why they didn't really succeed is because they were working hard, but they weren't very specific in what they were doing. They weren't working hard. They weren't. They were working hard, but they weren't working smart and consistent. I guess. So you got to be, got to be smart in being consistent. And I guess that's why when people train with me, it's kind of like, whoa, like this, this is this is how we do it. Like because it's usually like many training sessions that just go hard, 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 hard. But that's not what happens in the game. It's not just about going hard. You've got to be smart when you're doing it. Yeah. Oh, look, I was, I was going to open it up and say give us a bit of time and wrap it up, but I think you've just pretty much covered everything that needs to be said. It's basically work hard, find that real passion for what you do, and have that dream stuck in your head. No matter what it takes, just keep believing, keep focused on it. There's going to be times where it's tough. I mean, we're just talking to Dodo in regards to, hang on, we've got COVID that's in the way from travelling and playing. We've also got the government when it's basically putting barriers up for visa and not being a, a resident. So that's limiting things. But what is in there is that real passion, that real drive, helping the community, helping the young kids. So then when the opportunity's there, bang, you've got to be ready. So, mate, appreciate it. And yeah, give me two more things. Just give me two more bits of advice that you'd, give to every one of your kids or anyone listening out there as far as peak performance, getting themselves in the right place, go for it. What have you got? Okay, well, one is definitely definitely a drive we were talking about, but that drive isn't just being motivated and, and just kind of like, yeah, training hard. 
it's it's no matter no matter what's going on in your life or no matter what you're going through whether that's being cut from a team or whether that's someone close to you you know losing someone close to you no matter what's happening just stick to what you set out to do because if you can do that then no matter no matter how hard life gets you're always going to excel in what you're doing and don't let anything be an excuse so that's one bit of advice like you know the second is when you lose that motivation motivation to work hard and stuff like that always go back to your why why you started doing this why why you put so many hours why you went overseas to do that specific thing and if you focus on your why on the times that you lose you lose your motivation if you go back to your why then you're always going to see that your how is very easy and everything just becomes easier to do perfect love it make sure focus on your mission focus on your why and use that anytime you think you're going off track to stop come back refocus on it even if you need to take a day off stop your mind stop your body refocus and go again so mate that was that's brilliant really appreciate that your time obviously coming onto your podcast uh once we this podcast will be up uh once we get your details as well then i'll make sure that anyone listening and i'll just um yeah link everything through on show notes through to your podcast so just remember ball is rewired from the baller movement my mate dodo okay so mate appreciate it thank you for your time thank you for having me Stuart. mate it's been a pleasure thank you take care thank you for listening to Stuart walter and the athlete secret weapon podcast we appreciate you taking the time to listen and learn to connect with Stuart, find him at Stuart Walter ASW on Instagram, Elite Mindset Institute on Facebook. Watch these podcasts on Stuart Walter's channel on YouTube. If you have questions, would like the opportunity to work with him or to book him for events, email Stuart directly on Stuart at EliteMindsetInstitute.com.au. Music and voiceover provided by SLT Live Productions. More information at sltlive.com.